Today we're going to start a book study, another book study. We've studied quite a few different books of the Bible, and when I say study the Bible by book, what I mean is we take it chapter by chapter and pretty much yeah. verse by verse. We may skip a few verses, but uh, for the most mm-hmm. part it's a Practically a verse-by-verse study, and in this case, we're studying the epistle of First John. First John, and the fact that they call it First John sort of indicates there must be uh, some other Johns. You wouldn't uh, call it First John if there wasn't a Second John. And of course, in fact, there is another John in here. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. actually three epistles now, and of course, there's the Gospel of John, which is a different thing altogether. Almost everybody considers this written by the same guy that wrote the uh, Gospel of John, which is the Apostle John, Mm. uh, the uh, brother of James, James and John, we read about in the the New Testament. So, this book is kind of special to me. I I have a memory that is attached to this book that Mm. I I never can really forget. And uh, it goes all the way back to my early days as a pastor. And in those days, Sunday was always a busy time and trying to get the kids ready for church and get myself together and prepare uh, for preaching and ministry. And back in those days, I was not only the preacher, I was the worship leader as well much of that time. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, but in those early days, I I would often go to church without really reading the Bible in the morning, you you know me pretty well. You know mm. that that's just pretty much what I always do, unless yeah. I've got something really uh, going on that I have to hurry and rush to. Mm. Normally, just about the first thing I do would be to read the Bible. Yeah. And uh, in those days, I wasn't quite as disciplined that way, and especially on Sunday morning when we had to, like I said, get the kids ready and get myself ready and try to put it all together and rush to church. Mm. So, uh, and in those days, I often was very inconsistent with what I call the anointing. Now, Mm -hmm. some people might not identify with that, but ever since I began to preach, I could could feel within about the first few minutes of my preaching whether Mm -hmm. this was going to be very good or not very good, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there was an anointing that would come upon me sometimes, not all the time, not every time. That's what made me so nervous, Mm because I could never tell. But sometimes that anointing would be strong, it would be fun to preach, the, the words would come freely, mm. there, was, there would be some, a feeling of power behind the words, it just was rich. And other times it was dry and, you know, not very good. In my estimation, now mm. sometimes there'd be some little old lady come up to me after church when I preached one of those dry sermons that I felt was terrible, and she'd say, oh, Brother Dennis, you just blessed my soul with that message. <laughs> I think, how could that message bless you at all? It didn't Mm. bless me, but Mm. anyway. So in those days, uh, I remember one time I thought, you know, I need to just take a little extra time and read several chapters in the Bible Mm -hmm. before I even go to church. And it was this book that really started that practice for me. Okay. This book of 1 John. I decided I'll read 1 John, and of course, even in those days, my practice was to read the Bible aloud. Mm. So I did. I started reading First John. I read through all five chapters. It's not a long book. You can read it through probably in 15 to 20 minutes, maybe. And uh, 
it I just felt anointing even as I read it. And when I preached, I preached well. I preached with anointing, and I I could feel the the Holy Spirit's presence helping me to preach. Mm. And that just sealed it for me. That was it. Is from then on, I'm going to read the Bible before I go to church. I'm not going to just go to church dry mm. without uh, at least spending a few chapters in the uh, reading the Bible out loud like I do. And uh, I won't say it cured my inconsistency. I still had my dry time sometimes, but it seemed like I did better mm. when I read the Bible aloud before ever getting up to the pulpit to preach. I think one mistake some pastors make is the only time they read the Bible is to try to come up with a sermon for Sunday. Mm. And so they don't read it for their own spiritual benefit as much. But I learned that I benefit spiritually. Uh, and of course, now I'm not a pastor. I don't preach every Sunday anymore. But still, uh, there are times when I do preach. And when I, whether I preach or I don't preach, I, I always want to read the Bible before I go to church mm. and start preaching. Mm. That, that's just part of it. it. It gets the waters flowing. It's kind of like a pump. Uh, when I used to go to my grandma's house, she didn't have, as I recall, she did not have a uh, indoor faucet, mm. but she had a pump outside, and you could go and pump, but you'd have to pump and pump for a while before the water would come up out of the ground and start flowing with that well. And so sometimes spiritually, we've got to do a little pumping to get those mm-hmm. waters flowing. Yeah, And I find that reading the Bible out loud... Uh, that works as a pump. Now, I've, I've spent too much time with that, but I just wanted to mention, this is kind of near and dear to me, this First John, mm-hmm. and I've never forgotten, and a lot of times when I read it out loud, I think about that first time that I did it before going to preach on Sunday. Mm. With that being said, let's get into it. Mm. First John, written by the Apostle John, verse 1, chapter 1, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, which is kind of a a word for we've we've touched him. He's talking about Jesus now. He says we've heard him, we've seen him, we've touched him. Concerning the word of life, well, he's not just talking about the Bible here. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Mm. In other words, we know what we're talking about when we tell you about Jesus. We, meaning himself and the other apostles, We've touched him. We've seen him. We've heard him. So the word of life. Jesus is the word of life. He is the author of life. He brings life. You get saved, you get life. Before you're born again, you have no life. So John, he speaks like a philosopher sometimes. He's a little deeper, and he uses words in a little more interesting way than a lot of others. He's not quite as plain spoken. He's... (laughs) He, 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 like I said, he kind of speaks like a philosopher. So he calls Jesus the word of life. He says the life, again, talking about Jesus, mm-hmm. the life was manifested. Now, manifested means made open, made plain, made visible, something mm-hmm. that was hidden before, and suddenly it's manifested, and now you see it. Mm. So he's like, well, Jesus, he existed long before, before he ever came to this earth. But when he came to this earth, he was manifested. Suddenly, you could see him, you could hear him, you could Mm. touch him. The life was manifested, and he says, we have seen and bear witness. In other words, guys, you need to listen to me. We've seen him. Mm. We don't know when this was written. I don't anyway. Uh, It was probably written quite a few years after Jesus had lived, died, rose again, gone back to heaven. 
So he's writing to a generation, a lot of the younger people, they've never seen Jesus. They've never heard Jesus. They're just hearing these people talk about Jesus. So John is assuring people that never saw him, never heard him, Mm. never looked on him at all. He's saying, we've seen him. Mm. The life was manifested. We've seen, we bear witness. In other words, we're telling you the truth. We are witnesses. Mm. We bear witness and we declare to you, what do we declare? That eternal life which was with the Father. Now he calls Jesus that eternal life. Mm. How could Jesus be that eternal life? Well, he's the author of eternal life. You live forever when you believe on Jesus. So he is that eternal life. He says he was with the Father. In other words, he didn't have his start like everybody else did. We all started when we were conceived inside our mama, and then we had a second start when we were born into this world. But Jesus was with the Father before he ever came along, with the Father, and was manifested to us. So he is assuring his readers, Mm. you can take our word for it. We've seen this man. Mm. We've heard this man. We've touched this man. That which we've seen and heard, we declare to you. We're telling you what we know. Well, that's what a witness is, right? You're in court, and a witness sits in the witness chair, and the the uh, attorney says, well, what did you see? Or what do you know? You mm. know, tell us your story. And he starts blabbing and, and talking and saying, here's what I saw. You know, I saw that guy, you know, pull out that gun and shoot that guy. Mm. So he is a witness. He's telling what he saw. He, John is saying, we've seen, and we're telling you what we've seen, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Christ. So he's saying, the reason we're telling you this, the reason we're talking to you about this eternal life that we've seen and touched Mm -hmm. and heard is so that you can have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. It's all about fellowship, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like, you know, uh, he's trying to let them know that um, in fellowship that they are really into, there is... um, more than, you know, gathering together there, there is something behind them gathering. And that is like letting them know that Jesus is the real deal. Jesus, you know, is the same God who was in heaven. And um, now, you know, he was with the father and then um, in, in heaven with the father is everlasting life. Yeah. And now this everlasting life he has brought to us. And we are, you know, gathering together and sharing together and fellowshipping together in his name and, uh, you know, letting everybody know about him, which is really so good. And um, it's like what Jesus said in John 10, 10, you know, when he declared to us what the devil has come to do, you know, he has come to kill, to steal and to destroy. But he says, but, and that is where I want to bring up my, you know, um, addition here is but I have come to give you life and life in abundance. Yeah. So the life that he has brought is what he's like letting us know here. Like, okay, <laughs> you know, this everlasting life is real. And this guy who brought this, you know, life to us, we have seen him. <laughs> we had him. Uh, we, we kind of uh, followed him all around. We touched him. We, you know, know about him. So he is, he, you know, the real uh, deal he told us. The truth and he has given us life and um 
We believe him. Yeah, he's not a myth. He's mm-hmm. not some kind of a legend that never actually existed. John's yeah. like, we know, we knew this guy. Mm. We were around. We sat with him. We walked with him. We traveled with him. We, we you know, we saw him. We him. heard. We ate. We drank. Uh, take our word for it. This man is real, and he's mm. the Son of God, and he is the eternal life God has sent, so that we might have eternal life. Mm. And uh, to 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 make a point about this fellowship, he says, uh, "We're telling you this so that you can have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and mm. with His Son Jesus." John seems to be saying it's all about fellowship. You know, a lot of times we turn Christianity into a set of rules or a set of policies. Mm. So if you're a Christian, you don't smoke uh, cigarettes, you don't chew tobacco, you know, you you wear certain types of clothes. Uh, you, and, and we make a bunch of rules. And if you keep the rules, you're a Christian. Mm. But and and I'm not saying that there aren't some rules that we probably ought to keep. And certainly, if the New Testament talks about something we do or don't, we should do mm-hmm. or don't do. Then obviously, we should do or don't do it, mm-hmm. as the New Testament tells us. But ultimately, the Christian experience is not just a religion or a set of rules to keep or make sure you go to church every week. It is about fellowship with God Almighty, with His Son Jesus Christ, and with the people of God. It's all about fellowship, which kind of gets back to the two uh, laws Jesus gave. They said, what's the greatest commandment in the in the law? Mm. He said, well, love God with all your heart, love your neighbors yourself. Well, that's talking about fellowship. Yeah. You can't love someone and not have, and not have fellowship with them. Mm. If a man says, I love my wife, Well, we're assuming you have fellowship with your wife. You talk to your wife. You spend time with your wife. You enjoy your wife's presence. And John is saying, if you're a believer, and what we want is for you to be a believer, Mm -hmm. then you're going to have fellowship with the Father. You're going to talk to him. He's going to talk to you. You're going to have fellowship with Jesus. You're going to have fellowship with the people of God. And so uh, I once preached a sermon in my early days. I remember I called it... uh, relationship not religion uh, religion for us sometimes means you go to church every week and i'm not against church Mm -hmm. but there's more to it than that and uh you know you you follow certain rules and policies and you you serve on the uh, the refreshment committee and so forth and you know that all may be well and fine but ultimately you better have a relationship with God you better talk to God and he should be talking to you mm. if things are right so John is like fellowship the whole point of this is fellowship mm. you enter into a relationship with God by putting your faith in Jesus believing he died on the cross for you he rose again receiving him as your lord and savior and you enter a life of fellowship you start fellowshipping with God almighty with Jesus Christ the son and uh, that never stops. I was fellowshipping with the Lord shortly after I got saved at the age of 19. I still fellowship with him today. And, uh, you know, one of my little times of fellowship that I do almost daily is after lunch, I'll, I'll make some coffee and, and maybe have a little bit of a low-carb snack and some coffee. And uh, I'll put on some Christian music and talk to God. And talk. To, sometimes it's heavy stuff that there's a big crisis in my life, but a lot of times it's small talk. And there's not any big crisis, but I'm just checking in with the Lord and fellowshipping with Him. So, fellowship, very important. My wife, Benedicta, has led one of the most amazing and dramatic lives of anyone I've ever known. In her childhood, she was forced to quit school and sell food from door to door just to enable her and her elderly stepmom to survive. At the age of 14, she went to work for a man as a housemaid. He required her to cook, clean, do farm work, and serve as a nanny to his children. 
She was forced to get up at 4 a.m. to begin her duties, but worse than her enormous workload was the fact that the man for whom she worked had a hot temper and frequently beat her savagely. At the age of 20, with no support and very little money, she moved to the huge city of Lagos. And one year there, she experienced a terrible sickness, and at one point she lay on the floor of her room so weak she could not move, and even her desperate prayers involved only the moving of her lips. She had no strength to pray aloud. At last she became comatose and suddenly found herself in a beautiful place where an angel gave her a tour of heaven. After a while, she found herself back in her tiny room where she sobbed for a long time, knowing that all her problems and her sickness were still with her. Eventually, Benedicta recovered, and a few years later, she attended an evangelistic meeting held by an American evangelist, and that evangelist was, of course, me. We met. We developed a telephone courtship after I returned home, and eventually I returned to Nigeria and married her, after which we began to minister together as a team, both in evangelism and in an unusual YouTube ministry called Beat Diabetes. Benedict has written her life story in an autobiography titled When Destiny Calls. You can get this book either as an ebook or a paperback on Amazon. Just go to their website and type Benedict Pollock in the search engine. You'll be amazed, blessed, and inspired as you read of the faithfulness of God in the life of a girl and then a woman who learned to trust in and call on God. 